welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia sports podcast. I'm John James, sports editor at the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, I'll talk to Red and Black sports reporters to get the pulse of UGA athletics, straight from the source. This week, I'll be joined by Red and Black digital sports editor Bo Underwood and football beat writer Samuel Higgins. Up first, we'll talk to Bo about Georgia's 51-13 victory over Kentucky on Saturday. Welcome back to the show, Bo. Happy to be here, John. So, obviously, there was a lot of hype going into this game. Kentucky was Georgia's first ranked opponent of the year. It was at night, in Sanford, a whole lot going in. What were you expecting the matchup to look like? I was expecting um, basically the opposite of what happened. Well, not really. I was expecting like a defensive slugfest. Not saying I was expecting Kentucky to blow out Georgia. I wasn't. Um, but I, I, I did think that this was gonna be like a pretty ugly game, similar to what happened against Kentucky last year on the road. Um, can, you know, I going into the game, I really liked Kentucky's defense. I had a lot of question marks surrounding Georgia's offense. Um, but it, it didn't, uh, it didn't really play out like that, yeah. did it? It really didn't play out like that. Uh, Georgia put up 51 points, including 31, 34, I think, in the first half. 34, yeah. Uh, and a major, a major reason for the game not playing out like that was Georgia's offensive output. Uh, what stuck out to you from that unit during the game? Yeah, um, they played with a lot of tempo. They played fast. There were a lot of times you'd see them just going full no huddle, lining up super quickly. Um, and they executed really well. I don't really know if I can say that the offense itself looked super different. I don't think that there was like a different approach offensively in this game or leading up to it. They ran a lot of the same stuff, a lot of screens, RPOs that we're sort of used to seeing from this Mike Bobo offense, but I think the big difference was that they executed on the deep shots. Um, you saw on that first drive, they got Marcus with me, Jack Saint open for that first touchdown. They got Brock Bowers open deep a few times. He had that one play where he was just there was no one within thirty yards of him. Um, this wasn't like a necessarily a deep shot, but they did hit that end zone fade to Ra Ra Thomas where he made that insane catch. Um, just all that to say, they they hit on the big plays that were there against a really good defense, um, which is what stuck out to me because that's the first time we've really seen that all year. They have been inconsistent on deep balls against you know UAB and Ball State, Auburn. There wasn't really a lot of big chunk plays outside of that fourth quarter Brock Bowers had. So, yeah, this this was a complete offensive performance from this Georgia team. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think the receivers played really well in this game, specifically Brock Bowers and Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint, combining for over 200 yards receiving, which really helped out Carson Beck have a career day. Mm-hmm. Is he officially legit, or do you need to see more from Carson Beck? Um, I mean, like, you'd have to define – legit if if you mean like yeah I think Carson Beck I've thought pretty much the whole season that Carson Beck is more than capable of leading this offense and he has been the whole year um he's a smart quarterback he makes good decisions with the ball he can read defenses pretty well um I think the question about him up until this game not not that it's been answered anything I think the question was we know he can run the offense we know he knows how to run this but can he elevate the offense? You know, does he make it better as a player? Can he make plays when stuff breaks down beyond, you know, just sort of hitting the read that you need to hit? And in that game, he really did do that. Um, He was super decisive with the ball. He was pushing it downfield. He was running the offense with a lot of tempo, like I said. Um, 
obviously there's more that we would like to see from him just in terms of situations and games. We haven't seen him in a big like postseason game yet, which, you know, that is looking pretty likely right now. Um, there's always more that you need to see from anybody six games into the season, but he looks like a really good quarterback right now. Yeah, I think Carson looked obviously really, really good against Kentucky. Uh, during the game, you said something that kind of stuck out to me. You said Carson Beck was making some throws that Stetson Bennett couldn't make. I did say that, yeah. <laughs> and I honestly agree with you. There were a couple out routes that he just mm -hmm. he was pinpoint perfect on. Mm -hmm. He hit Ra Ra Thomas in a place where only Ra Ra could catch that ball. That was a great throw. It, it there was a it was a really confident performance from Carson Beck, mm -hmm. and I think that was encouraging for George fans going forward. Um, but we've talked a lot about the offense so far. We can't escape this game without talking about the defense. Against Auburn, they surrendered over 200 rushing yards. Against Kentucky, they held Ray Davis under 60 yards on the ground. What changed? Um, to put it very simply, the defensive line played a lot better. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, like a big part of that Auburn performance and why they were able to just gash that Georgia defense was they did have two rushing threats at quarterback. Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford are both great athletes, and they demanded a fair share of attention themselves. They both ripped off a lot of chunk plays. Peyton Thorne had that 60-yard run that got things started. Robbie Ashford had that red zone run. They Auburn just sort of they run a lot of misdirection stuff that I think froze some of Georgia's linebackers. Might have, and, you know, they're playing physical on the offensive line. And I think that's a lot of why Georgia kind of looked a step behind on some of those Auburn run plays. Kentucky is a different offense just because Devin Leary does not pose that same threat as a runner, to say the least. That is just not who Devin Leary is. Um, they run a lot of counter plays and those sort of concepts, and I think Georgia was really prepared for it, or at least they looked like it. They were fitting those way better than they were fitting anything against Auburn, and they were able to just stuff the run, which was super impressive. Yeah, I think Auburn's run game is much more revolving around like side-to-side -side horizontal mm -hmm. movement, whereas Kentucky is a little more straightforward north and south. Right. And Kirby Smart talked about it today. That's the kind of run he wants to face. Mm -hmm. He wants to drive teams toward the middle of his defense because he feel he feels like the strength that's the strength of his defense. If if you're running out to the outside, you're relying on speed a little bit more. You're relying on linebackers making tackles, and that's where you can have a little bit more variables in the situation. That's where people can make mistakes sometimes, and Auburn did a really good job of capitalizing on those mistakes, and mm -hmm. Kentucky just didn't because they were running right in the into the strength of Georgia's defense. But wrapping up a little bit, you mentioned that you had a lot of questions about Georgia entering the game against Kentucky. Have those questions been answered, or do you still need to see more? I don't think there's any team that has had every question answered in October. I know that's like an obnoxious response because it sounds so pretentious to say, but it is true that you know, we're only halfway through the year. Georgia has had some big tests this year, and they've passed all of them. You know, They were down on the road in a really tough environment against Auburn, stepped up, had a great fourth quarter, won the game. You know, This game, hosting their first top 25 team under the, night, under the lights, uh, team coming off a huge win, they blew them out. Um, so they're off to a great start, but there's just so much football left to play. They've still got to figure out what kind of offense they really want to be. They've got to figure out the run game a little bit more, like how much of a fixture is Dylan Bell going to be in the run game? How much are we going to see of Kendall Milton when he gets back? How, who is going to end up getting the bulk of the carries if it ends up being anybody? Like We have to figure out 
things like that. The defensive line has been up and down. Obviously, they had a great game against Kentucky, but I don't think anyone's going to be forgetting about that Auburn game anytime soon. So they've just got to continue to, you know, um, just play well in these games against ranked opponents because the meat of the season is just right here, right staring them in the face now. So, yeah. Yeah, Georgia's got a stretch of three games in mid to late November. Missouri, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. And I think that's really going to be def- a defining moment of the season for them mm-hmm. because like, Missouri just gave a really good game to LSU. Ole Miss has beaten LSU. Mm-hmm. Tennessee is a, a feisty team no matter how good their defense looks or no how, matter how inconsistent their offense looks. So there are still going to be games where Georgia has to answer some questions this year, mm-hmm. no matter how lo- good they looked against Kentucky in October. Mm-hmm. So final question, Bo. What was your biggest takeaway from Georgia's 51-13 victory over Kentucky? I think that if if there was any doubt going into this game, about whether or not Georgia deserved to be the number one team in the country, I think any of that should have been erased after this game. I think the takeaway should just be that Georgia is still better than anybody else in college football right now. When they are playing their game and their brand of football, when they're being tough against the run, they have the most talented secondary in the country. Their linebacking core is just still playing at such a high level. Jamon Dumas Johnson had a huge game. He really bounced back after that Auburn game. The offense was just humming in rare, like the best performance we've seen from them all year. The best performance we've seen from a Georgia offense in a half. And I mean, you can compare that to any half you want of Kirby Smart Georgia. They they look flawless. Um, not saying that, you know, I expect Georgia to just go out and dominate everyone for the rest of the season. I don't. It's a long season and, you know, you're going to have situations where you get down and you have to sort of bounce back but when Georgia is at its best like it was against Kentucky there's no one in the country that can play with them for 60 minutes and I think we saw that on Saturday yeah I think that's been the kind of the question about this team all year really is when Georgia is clicking on all cylinders when they're thriving when they're humming whatever idiom you want to use when they're at their best they're so good they're the best in the country but they've only been at their best for one game this season. So is that going to be the team that shows up on Saturdays, or is it going to be the 14-3 team that opened against South Carolina? That's just the question around this team, and that's what they're going to have to answer every week going forward. So as we wait for every week going forward, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show, Bob. Thank you, John. Now we'll be joined by football beat writer Samuel Higgs we look ahead at Georgia's second away game against Vanderbilt this weekend. Welcome back to the show, Sam. It's always great to be here. Missed you last week. First things first, buddy. Vanderbilt is a tough sell. They've given up 35-plus points in every SEC matchup this season. So why should fans be invested in this game? Man, oh, man. Is that the question of the day here? Um, so uh, this question took some time as I tried to think of some valuable reasons why you should watch this game but it's it's the second road game of the season it's the second road game they're going to be in enemy territory the crowd is going to be like ah boo georgia if they even have fans show up to the game so i mean it's not going to be the greatest watch but the reason why you're watching georgia is because you're a huge uga fan and you want to see if they can replicate what they did against kentucky this next week so I think that should be the biggest reason why Georgia fans should invest in this game. So 
if Georgia isn't going to be able to replicate what they did against Kentucky, what's going to be the reason? What pat factor of Vanderbilt's roster should concern Georgia fans the most? I mean, if we're going to be talking about a aspect of Vanderbilt's roster that should worry Georgia to a certain degree, I would lean more towards the receiving core. Uh, when you look at kind of just like their statistical leaders, they have three guys that have crossed the 300-yard mark. Uh, I'll be honest, London Humphreys, one of their wide receivers, has 299, but that's practically 300 in my mind. Um, but yeah, I would just say the receiving core as as a whole, they should watch out for. Um, Vanderbilt has the eighth most passing yards in the nation, and they're third in the SEC right behind Georgia and Missouri. Um, part of the big reason why they have so many passing yards is they have played one additional game. But again, I think Georgia should be, you know, keeping their eye out for this receiving core. So it seems like you're predicting a little bit of a shootout. Carson Beck is coming off of a career best performance against Kentucky. What are the chances we see a repeat showing from him? I don't know if I'm directly stating that there's going to be a shootout against Vanderbilt. Uh, hate to say it. This is Vanderbilt we're talking about here. Um, but the reason why Carson Beck would have a great game against Vanderbilt is because Vanderbilt has the 108th total defense in all of college football, according to the NCAA website. And for those who didn't know, there are 130 teams in college football. So that is very bottom. Uh, I, you know, did a quick little stat check of all their games. And, you know, they had a lot of dudes cross the 250 mark. They're averaging 255 passing yards a game. And uh, if Graham Mertz is throwing three touchdowns against Vanderbilt, I think Beck could go for four at least. Yeah, uh, you did some stat watching. I did some stat watching. Vanderbilt has the third worst passing defense in the SEC. They have the second worst rushing defense in the SEC. They're just bad all around on defense this year, and honestly, for the past few years. So I, I think it's a, there's a good chance that Georgia's offense has a big day in this game. Uh, but on the other side of the football, Georgia's defense struggled in its first two SEC matchups, then got back to form a little bit against Kentucky. What are you expecting to see from Georgia's defense in this game? I hate to say it, but I'm expecting dominance. Uh, I just, I really just don't see Vandy doing all that great. They have yet to have a guy cross the 100-yard rushing mark, so boom, check that off the list. I don't know if their quarterback has, has any rushing upside, which would be a weakness to some degree. Their starting quarterback's injured, so it's either going to be a matchup against a backup quarterback or an injured starter. I think the main challenge that the Georgia defense is going to be facing is the passing attack, because I think Vanderbilt's going to be behind for most of the game. Uh, but I think Georgia secondary has that pretty much covered. There's a lot of really good pieces in Georgia secondary. I think Kamari Lassiter's playing fantastically. I think Dalen Everett's also playing great, and then all three safeties across the board have also been playing really good. So I, I'm not... I think the defense has got it handled. I, yeah, the thing about stats with Vanderbilt is that their rushing total is always going to be deflated a little bit because they're behind and they can't run the football. And their passing statistics are always going to be inflated a little bit because they're behind and they want to catch up. So they're passing the football. So looking at just raw statistics for Vanderbilt is a little bit of a an illusion. But I think Georgia's defense, honestly, has been a little bit weaker against the pass this year than it's been against the run. Like, Devin Leary had some throws he could have made on on Saturday against Kentucky. He just missed them. Like, that was one of the worst quarterback performances Georgia will see this year because he was just so inaccurate in that game. So if Vanderbilt's backup quarterback can be even slightly more accurate, there's a chance Vanderbilt could put up some, like, 14 points I don't think is out of the out of the woods. I think the 17 points isn't out of the woods just because down down the downfield pass hasn't been out like a, hasn't been a total lockdown performance of Georgia this year. But 
again, that's that's up to Vanderbilt and how accurate that quarterback is, and it's it's a backup quarterback. So I just I just don't know. No, nah, I'm I'm completely with you. Devin Leary could have easily connected on some huge plays against uh, Georgia last week. So speaking of that performance against Kentucky, Georgia answered a lot of questions. A lot of detractors were silenced. Do they have anything left to prove in this game against Vanderbilt? I think the biggest thing that Georgia needs to do against Vanderbilt is do exactly what they did against Kentucky again. If you can show that you can play that well both offensively and defensively again and consistently, I think you just separate yourself from the pack, especially with college football being so tight. I don't think any team has really separated themselves as the number one team. So if Georgia can go out against Vanderbilt and put up another great offensive showing, play another great defensive game, I think I think that will prove a lot for this team. I disagree with you, honestly. Oh, okay. I, I don't think if you want someone to prove something, you don't want them to prove it against Vanderbilt. I think <laughs> there is nothing to be proven in a game against Vanderbilt. That's just how it is. You want to prove something against a ranked, te- a ranked team, which Georgia did. You want them to prove something in the game when they play Tennessee, when they play Ole Miss. I don't think there's anything to be proven against Vanderbilt, and that's that's all there is to it. No, I think you make a great point, uh, but I just still would like to see them con- consistently hit on some of those plays because, I mean, most likely the starters are going to be pulled pretty early. So if they can just show at least some sort of dominance, I think that would be great. So, Sam, to kind of wrap up here, What's your pick for the game? What's the score? What do you think is going to be the outcome here? I don't know if you uh, could tell, but I'm expecting a large margin of victory. Um, I I put 56 to 7 UGA. Um, I'm honestly going to be very surprised if uh, Vanderbilt scores more than one touchdown, but you're completely right by throwing up that Kentucky thing where some miscoverage and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree that Georgia's probably going to run away with this game. I'm thinking it's... 49 to 10. Vanderbilt gets a field goal in the third quarter and a touchdown in the fourth. Um, but looking at the specific players on Georgia's roster, who do you think is going to impact this game most offensively and defensively? You know what? I'm a believer, John. I'm going to ride the wave. I think Carson Beck is going to be the offensive MVP for this week. And then I'm also going to go with the secondary as far as defense goes, and I'm going to go with Kamari Lasseter. Those are my two picks for for who I think are going to be the offensive and defensive MVP for this week. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you that the secondary is going to have a big impact. I think Malachi Starks is going to be pretty key just in shutting down those long passes, making tackles when people get when people slip into the, into the secondary. Um, and on offense, I think I'm predicting a big week for Dominic Lovett. I think George is going to run a lot of little bubble screens to him. I think he's going to make a couple Vanderbilt tacklers miss just because Vanderbilt's not the best at tackling. And I think he's going to slip out for a lot of yards this week. Uh, but no matter how the game goes, thank you very much for coming on the show, Sam. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm John Jane. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at redandblack.com. For even more Georgia sports coverage, visit redandblack.com slash sports. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.